0: Across the Airplanes, the podcast dedicated to giving weekly TV shops and reviews, go out with news and opinions about the entertainment industry. Guy Dan Schmidt, your Excelsior host, and with me is a guy who is shocked to discover that his former master is Darth Vader, my co-host.
1: Hey everybody, it's Nico, and welcome to Across the Airways. On this week's episode, we continue our coverage of the spring 2016 TV season with our review of The Walking Dead, an episode of Castle and Star Wars Rebels, Michael's Sleepy Hollow reviews but no supernatural this week, and our sitcom section including episode of New Girl and Modern Family.
0: And okay, with that, we're going to dive right into our news with Nico. Section for the week with news that, for those of you who might have enjoyed getting to watch the first four episodes of Game of Thrones early, that's not going to happen this year. So, sorry about that. Because then we also have some other news about some new TV series coming out. Got Fox making a change to their schedule regarding Marvel films.
1: Game of Thrones. HBO won't send screeners to critics because of Season 5 leaks and Season 6 secrets. HBO won't be sending out any advanced screeners for Season 6 of Game of Thrones because of, well, I guess you. Well, if you're one of the pirates who illegally leaked the early episodes of Season 5 before it premiered last year. Network programming boss Michael Lombardo told Entertainment Weekly, we're not sending out press copies this year anywhere in the world. There will be no copies for review. Though episodes of television aren't always screened for critics, particularly episodes beyond the premiere, it is a bit of a big move on HBO's part, which not only has one of the better reputations for giving screeners out to critics beforehand, but also has one of the better screening sites for the press after a major revamp last year to move preview episodes from physical media to online digital versions. HBO has always sent out screeners to critics, including almost every episode of Game of Thrones until last season. Finales are usually not distributed, however. That's when copies of the first four episodes of the show appeared on torrent sites prior to the season's debut. HBO's reaction was to limit screeners moving forward, and now they've gone full lockdown by not sending any out this year. The move could also be twofold now that we're past most of where george rr martin's books left off we're all in uncharted a song of ice and fire territory quadrupling the potency of the series unlocked secrets gotta keep these spoilers locked up tight plus we still have the whole issue of whether or not Jon snow is alive a zombie a replicant or whatever he might be so that obviously is factoring into hbo's decision of not letting anything out early the Dark Tower will star Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey. After months of assumption and probabilities, we got the Twitterverse equivalent of a press release. Author Stephen King has confirmed via Twitter that Idris Elba and Matthew McConaughey will indeed star in the long-awaited big-screen adaptation of his beloved book series, The Dark Tower, as gunslinger Roland Deschain and his nemesis, The Man in Black, respectively. King's book series has been up for either a movie franchise or a television franchise, possibly HBO, for several years now. He spoke to Entertainment Weekly and revealed that the movie will take place in our day in the modern world, and that aside from beginning with the first line of the first book the movie's plot will actually pick up in the middle of the story possibly to the chagrin of many fans but with a massive literary tome like this it would be silly to expect a direct page to screen relation Elba will play the series hero the first book's title gunslinger a man in a wasteland who has to walk across the country in order to reach the fabled dark tower. standing in his way will be mcconaughey's black clad uber villain roland will then have to gather a group of other heroes to help make the journey though no word yet on who might be cast as those characters it's Definitely in good hands with actors of this level of talent and standing. So I'm about as stoked as anyone can be about how this project all comes together. And we truly won't have to wait all that long. The Dark Tower movie is slated to be released January 13th, 2017. Wait, really? January 2017? Less than 365 days from now? Wow. Doctor Who 10th Doctor and Donna Adventures Get off Trailer. One of the best slash worst things about Doctor Who is that you always get the feeling that we the audience only get to see a small snippet of all the adventures a particular doctor and companion are having. They're always coming from somewhere we've never seen and going off to somewhere we don't, won't experience the following week. It's usually left to our imagination to fill in the rest but thanks to Big Finish Productions you can enjoy some of those in-between episodes adventures through the, their fully produced audio plays allowing you to imagine what everything looks like. Now we get to have a little taste of the highly anticipated audio adventures featuring the 10th Doctor, played by David Tennant, and arguably one of his most popular companions, Donna Noble, played by Catherine Tate. The two actors are friends in real life and have worked together quite a few times, which was always evident in their performance during Series 4. None of that seems to have gone away in the trio of audio dramas which will be coming out in May, as evidenced by this new trailer. Follow the link in the ACC feed to hear the audio trailer and get excited with me for the return of Tennant's 10 and Donna Noble. Ian McShane is American Gods' Mr. Wednesday. Looks like Shadow Moon's found quite the counterpart in his new Mr. Wednesday. Genre favorite and soon to be Game of Thrones actor, Ian McShane, has been cast as the co-lead in Star's TV adaptation of Neil Gaiman's American Gods. In a press release from the network, the novel's author has described himself as over the moon (pun completely intended) with a new choice, joining the 100 actor Ricky Whittle, slated to play the aforementioned lead Shadow. In the Brian Fuller and Michael Green run adaptation, McShane is a formidable choice, being described as an actor, icon, and now God by the series showrunners for those of you who have not read the book mr wednesday is the main character and leader of the old gods in the war of old versus new he's also the god of wisdom in the norse pantheon otherwise known as odin the all in america he's a con artist naturally he works closely with shadow after the two meet on a plane and is described in the stars iteration as a crafty and endlessly charismatic con man full of perverse wisdom curious magic and grand plans i really can't wait for the series to start rest assured it will be a staple of my weekly television schedule Person of interest Sarah Shahi is CBS's Nancy Drew. CBS's big Nancy Drew mystery has been solved. Person of interest's own Sarah Shahi has nabbed the coveted title role in the network's contemporary take on the classic Carolyn Keene novels. Drew, which has thus far only received a pilot order, finds the iconic crime solver, now in her 30s, putting her uncanny observational skills to work as a detective for the NYPD, while also navigating the complexities of life in a modern world. Shahi joins a cast that also includes ER's Anthony Edwards as Nancy's dad, Graceland's Vanessa Ferlito as fellow NYPD detective, and The Good Wife's Felix as nancy's boss at the nypd in addition to multiple film adaptations nancy drew has been brought to the small screen three times in the hardy boys nancy drew mysteries which ran from 1977 to 1979 the one and done 1995 nancy drew series and the 2002 tv movie originally intended as a series which starred maggie lawson as the amateur sleuth i love sarah as an actress and with this cast i might be more inclined to give this series a serious chance despite my early hesitation it certainly fits cbs's procedural format James Mangold would direct Captain Nemo film for Disney. The Wolverine director has reportedly been signed to helm Captain Nemo, an origin story based on the iconic character who first appeared in Jules Verne's classic novel 2000 Leagues Under the Sea. After his first appearance in 2000 Leagues, Nemo made his return to Verne's follow-up novel The Mysterious Island under the name Prince Dakar. Nemo was portrayed as a scientific genius who hated imperialism and oppression, which made him an enemy of the British Empire. Back in 1954, Disney produced the most popular film adaptation of 2000 Leagues Under the Sea, which featured James May as Captain Nemo and Kirk Douglas as Ned Land. Disney has been trying to get its Captain Nemo movie Into the Ocean since 2009 with both McG and David Fincher previously attached to direct the film. Captain Nemo isn't expected to interfere with Mangold's next movie, the third and final solo Wolverine film starring Hugh Jackman. Captain Nemo will begin production after Mangold finishes his Wolverine 3 commitments. Ratings. Blindspot returns to series low. Blindspot returned from its bazillion week hiatus to 6.8 million viewers and a 1.8 demo. Down a few eyeballs plus a tenth in the demo to hit a new series low. This is just evidence that this series was off for way too long and nobody knew it was finally coming back. Fox takes the gambit off release schedule. Adds two untitled Marvel films. 20th Century Fox is celebrating their third straight weekend with one of their Marvel films being number one at the box office. With Deadpool cleaning up yet again with a staggering tally of 285 million domestic. Not only is Deadpool their highest x-men related film of all time it's well on its way to outperforming every solo superhero movie not featuring batman or spider-man with the success of deadpool now behind them fox has done some reshuffling of their schedule in terms of their licensed marvel properties they've just announced that gambit starring channing tatum as the cajun x-men won't be making it to its october 7th 2016 date this year after all as many have already speculated the movie recently lost its original director rupert wyatt and replaced him with doug Lyman, and hasn't even started shooting so this move is really not coming. As a surprise. Besides, with six comic book superhero movies coming out this year, seven if you count Ninja Turtles, Gambit would have likely have gotten lost in that crowd. In addition to taking Gambit off of its original release date, Fox has also added two other Marvel films to their schedule. One Marvel film is slated for October 6, 2017, and another for January 12, 2018. So what are these potential Marvel movies? Well, we can probably guess that Gambit is being moved to October 2017. That seems like a no-brainer, especially with the film getting ready to go into production soon. And as for January 2018, that almost certainly has has to be Deadpool too. Usually January is a dumping ground for studio films, but as the success of Deadpool in the middle of the post-Christmas winter has shown, the old blockbuster calendar is pretty much a thing of the past. It should be noted that Fox still has an unnamed X-Men movie still scheduled for July 13th, 2018. While that movie could be Josh Boone's New Mutants, again with Deadpool making bank, I wouldn't be surprised if that movie turns out to be X-Force starring Ryan Reynolds once again as the Merc with the Mouth. I guess we'll have to wait and see for Fox to confirm some of these moves. And that's the news with Nico for this week.
0: Great now that we got this week's exciting news articles got out of the way we're going to dive right into talking about this week's exciting episode of walking dead that caused us shock about the cliffhanger ending got a decision that a beloved character made so let's talk about this episode not tomorrow yet
1: Rick and the group realized the only way to maintain the peace of Alexandria is to fight a new enemy. This time, though, the group might be outmatched.
0: I liked how the character of Tobin got Carol out of her funk, regarding almost Kelly Morgan, can feel partially responsible for the death of Jesse's kid, Sam, by describing her as the mother of the group. But it was weird that they hooked up, especially since there are a crap load of Daryl and Carol shippers, I almost felt that maybe Daryl should have been in this role this episode, could maybe got her out of her funk in a different way. But they did go there, and after what happened at the end of this episode, I think it might have been intentional because I think we would much rather see Tobin betray the Alexandrians to get Carol back over Daryl because that would just be out of character for Daryl. It would take people off even more. Also, if the writers have the intention to kill Carol, Carol off, I think it would be less painful for the fans to cover a character if they finally get the romance they wanted between Daryl and Carol to just have it immediately stripped away. I think that would suck. Because I think that would just be too much on everybody. Vico, was it weird to you that Carol got together with Tobin? Could you think the writers did this to set up maybe him betraying the group because then you feel. like we're going to get a repeat of what happened with Gregory because the all talked people last week with the Alexandrians.
1: Well, I don't want to burst everybody's bubble, but Daryl's gay. I think uh. that that's going to be the case on this show. Daryl is going to come out as gay on the show. Norman Reedus has made hints at this and yes. anyone who's still holding out hope that he has a thing for Carol that's anything more than friendship or seeing her as a almost mother character like they explained in this episode is I think in for a, a rude awakening when he comes out <laughs> I think there's they can see that there's always been a little bit more than just pure respect for Rick that Daryl's had not that he's made any moves or anything like that I think there's he's just been completely awestruck with Rick Rick's like one of the first men that has really shown him attention not sexual or anything like that but shown him attention and made him feel good about himself yeah. and that I think has awoken some of his suppressed feelings and allowed him to be the man that he wants to be where his brother used to beat it out of him, Rick has really accepted him for who he is, and I think that's allowed him to be more open about who he is. And when Aaron found him, and he and his partner took him in, I think that was when we really, we really got that story arc going. So I wasn't surprised that they gave Carol a different love yeah. interest with Tobin, you know. And I don't think it was all that out of the blue. I think this has been building for quite a few episodes, and all the way back to when Carol first came to Alexandria, I think Tobin was one of the few that actually treated her well, beforehand.
0: good. Okay, I think the montage helped a little bit too. Say so this had been something going on for a while. Right. Because I thought they did a good job giving us that sense. And yeah, I mean, you're absolutely right. Come out, Daryl. A lot the girls are in love with him. So I think that's where maybe the fan audience is getting shipping like this. But you're absolutely I think it makes sense you saying that podcast. Yeah. It may not go there, but it feels likely.
1: Well, he may never come out, but right. he, there's also the chance that they're never going to give him any love interest either way and just leave it one of those up in the air sort of things. Yeah.
0: Well, the other thing is, like, there's, there's, don't really freak out that there's going to be him making a move on Rick or anything like that? No, don't no. we see anything like that? No, as
1: I said, I don't, I don't think it's at this point yeah. i don't think it's a, a sexual attraction to rick i think it's a no. it's a more emotional and a mental that rick allowed him to be himself and and respected him and brought him in as a brother and there's like that brotherly love between them that yeah. he never got with his real brother so i i think there may have been an initial you know attraction there but there's even an attraction between friends you know there's a reason why you become friends so you're naturally attracted to something in that other person and i think in this this case he found a brother and and that allowed him to open up and, and feel other emotions and that's where I think with Aaron and his partner and that whole thing it, it, it helped it, his evolution even further so I, I think absolutely we're gonna get we're gonna get something good out of it even if it's not even if it's not a romance for Daryl we're, we're gonna see him grow and continue to grow as long as he's still on this show
0: right good again you know something may happen to Karen's partner or something like that girl they maybe play around with those characters try something like that well I think Aaron partner did die, didn't he? Yeah, I think he got killed.
1: Yeah, so there is that potential there.
0: I mean... Just I think he the, got killed in one of the raids.
1: Yeah, I think maybe when the wolves came.
0: Yeah, I think so. Or the zombies, one of the two. It,
1: it might have been the zombie that killed Reg. Yeah, you know, in that in that sequence. Yeah. But I just don't remember. But I do believe he 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 is dead, and I think that's yeah. why Aaron went on this run to the the in the episode today. Why he was part of it. And why he stood up in the church and said, "What happened before can never happen again." I think right, that I think, I think so. that's what he was implying.
0: Yeah, I think so too. Good as Chris Hardwick said on Talking Dead, Abraham might have picked the absolute. Worst time to break up with Rosalina. Because I could see the chip on her shoulder. Completely screwing the group in the future. Just her attitude the way she wants. Guy was thinking to myself, this might not be someone who's the right frame of mind. To go out there and start trying to go in after zombies. Or attack and saviors at this point. God, But I felt the guy was honest with his explanation. Because he was very fair. Guy think to deal with the situation right away. So she wouldn't face further heartbreak. Could get her to move on and come back. Because Abraham, this was saying, Guy believe in civilization now. And so now that there's other fish in the sea, Come want to take advantage of that. got not in despair anymore. Again, I think as an audience member, we didn't want to see this drag on with him having a secret romance with Sasha and Krozelina not knowing about it. I just think it turns into like a messy Grey's Anatomy episode. We don't want that. So, Nico, what did you think of the breakup, and did Abraham's reasons make sense to you?
1: Well, I'm, I'm glad they dealt with it right away, but the way yeah. he went about it was complete asshole. <laughs> yeah that line character right i understand but that line about when i met you i thought you were the last woman on earth and now i know you're not (laughs) that that was brutal that was brutal yeah. And then Sasha later in the episode screwed the pooch when she allowed that guy to pull the the fire alarm and yeah, wake everybody up and and alert the the rest of the group that wasn't at the base. I mean, she really she really screwed everybody by doing that. So
0: that's like strike 3 for you right. Against well, her.
1: I think she'd already had strike 3. That might be strike 6.
0: Yes. gets. gets. But of course she could pull the furlough. Got Of all the characters, that's the way that makes no sense. Well, I, like to pull the
1: I mean, she, she stabbed the guy in the gut and then didn't finish it. You gotta go for the jugular or the heart. You, you can't let him yeah. walk around or, or, you know, if he's still staggering, he could pull a gun and, and shoot you. You gotta, if you're gonna kill, you gotta kill.
0: Because Abraham likes his women stupid. Apparently.
1: I don't know. I, I have never liked Sasha, you know, and I think we've made that blatantly clear, <laughs> but that was, that was bad. That was really bad in the episode.
0: Cry's thinking that she's gonna get killed. To make Abraham feel pretty stupid. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I thought was gonna happen. I thought I thought someone was gonna die in the rain. And then they know we did, which was a surprise. But we'll get into that in a minute. Morgan, because a character that's been putting me in a tough position call season. Like I'm all for something that Rick decides to do. And then Morgan like gives his opinion on it. Cause then I'm like, uh, is that the best thing for the group to do? Because they are gonna get themselves into a mess with this? Yeah, this time with the saviors, guy was really leaning towards Rick's side. Because we saw the saviors do bad things. They tried to kill Daryl and Abraham and Sasha, and then they went after hell top people, then they've basically been terrorizing them. So I was like, okay, maybe this is right. This is a good idea with Rick, because we saw the saviors do bad things. But I'm wondering if Morgan was more or less trying to say, to not go after them. Like, he was, he was trying to say, like, I agree you should go after them, but maybe there's another way of going after them instead of killing cold calling blood. Do you, I mean, who do you think was right in this sense? Rick or Morgan? Did Rick put everyone in more danger for massacring a large group of saviors instead of just leaving them alone?
1: Yeah, Morgan was right on this one,
0: and okay.
1: Rick had a point. I mean, there's definitely a threat there. But Morgan's point was don't poke a sleeping bear. Right now this is not a threat. And if we, it, it, Morgan asked Rick, can we win this? And Rick said yes. And then Morgan said, then tell them that. Make it so that they have the choice that they can walk away or or they can treaty with us. You know, and we can work out a deal with them. Otherwise we'll kill them. You know, leave it at that. But Rick thought the only way to be able to win was to have the element of Surprise. And that probably is true because Rick and the group rushed this decision. If they they had done their work. They had done a scouting, had actually figured out how many people they were going up against instead of, you know, just going in blind with thinking that their superior skill could take care of any situation. If they had gone and actually scouted this location, they would have realized it's not the only one. They would have realized that the leader, Negan, wasn't even there. So it's a stupid time to attack if you're not even going to get the leader. So I think Morgan and Rick were both right in what they were saying in that Rick said this is a threat that needs to be taken care of, and Morgan was, we shouldn't poke a sleeping bear, so...
0: But he wasn't saying... Don't go after the savings at all, right? He was more saying, fake it through, do reconnaissance. We kind of well, no, he prepare. was saying,
1: don't kill. He was saying, we don't need okay. to kill. You need to give them the option to, right. to walk away. If you give them that option and they decide, no, we're going to come after you now, then you can kill them. And it's self-defense. Right now, it's Morgan was making the argument that what yeah. we're doing is murder. And it's, you know, you can't make the argument that a future attack was coming, so we killed them first. That, right. That doesn't, ethically, that doesn't hold water is what he's saying and he's at least making people think about it so
0: yeah just I don't know if I, mean, I know from the comic books that Negan can't be recent right so that's why I'm saying kill him kill him kill him because I know what he is
1: oh absolutely we, you know and that
0: makes it difficult because we know they don't know
1: right right absolutely we know what a monster he is and they went out and got a great big star to do it you know to Jeffrey Dean Morgan to play it that's great I, I love that casting I think that's going to be perfect yes and you know we know what a nasty character he is but but at this point, because Rick and the group went in blind, they didn't. They didn't know what he was all about. He did, they didn't yeah. know. Rick was right to, to think he was a threat, but he didn't know how big of a threat because he didn't do any recon. He didn't get a situational awareness. He just went in blind and thought, this is the one and only place they're staying. We're going to go in there and kill them all, and we're right. going to come out with no problems. Because
0: that's what I would have done. I would never go to the Savior's base or whatever and be like, okay, let's talk. Let's see if we can make a treaty. What I would do is I would have people in the group watch them because to try to get as much information because we could get can they make the decision from there
1: yeah yeah but also that's knowing what you know from the comic books you know So, but,
0: but they did have they did have Deacon said so to try to kill Greg, Gregory right. so in my mind that makes you feel like okay we need to tread lightly with this guy
1: oh yeah there's no question that this guy's brutal we know yeah. that and that, and Rick recognized that and that's why he said it was they were a threat especially since they went after Sasha and Daryl and Abraham earlier on they knew that this was a threat That, that that's not the issue it was about their tactics yeah. you know, and lack of intelligence gathering.
0: Because I took this episode as it was overconfidence. They thought they beat that Walker Horde because they thought they could beat anybody. Because, yeah, they'll ultimately defeat Negan. But we know that that's going to be a hard fight.
1: It's going to be a brutal fight. There are going to be some massive losses. And and I've been saying, I think an original character is going oh, yeah. to die. I mean, we know from the comic books that that might be the case, but they've also split from the comics in a, a number of significant ways to keep people guessing and keep people watching because they don't want it to be exactly what happened in the books so I think we might get something even more brutal than what we got in the comic books and that, that's going to be interesting that
0: is, that's highly plausible that's highly plausible but again here I felt they fell victim to overconfidence yeah I think you're right good good good. Quit the training that Morgan's had good and, and the whole you know training with Eastman he was taught trained to be cautious like that there was, I want to say quote unquote Sun Tzu but that's not right
1: oh the Sun Tzu Art of War yeah
0: yeah sort of it's kind of yeah. like that stuff
1: it was definitely I think it was more about the Buddhist teachings that Men right. taught him and about being centered and, and not taking any life that you don't have to. And really not taking any life. Killing walkers is one thing. They're dead already. But killing a human, a living being, someone who could change like Morgan changed himself, that that is something. And that is something powerful for Morgan. He He does not want to kill any living being because... He knows that you can be so far gone and still come back, cause he
0: did. Yeah, cause then we had a character who pretty much had the no kill rule down to a science. Kill his first humans in cold blood, cause that was Glenn. Cause this has me very nervous about his fate, cause normally in this universe, Karma has a way of coming back to bite you in the butt. Cause I think the decision to not kill Nicholas, cause what gave him a lucky break earlier this season, but now seeing him kill makes me feel like he's going to die saving Maggie, kind a baby, because he went against his code. Cause the guilt, cause I think it's going causes this device. Could I think that's maybe a better choice than having him face losing Maggie and his child because that would take the character to a dark place which I don't think any of us really want to see. Do you think Glenn breaking his gun makes him a dead man walking?
1: It's really difficult to say because if they follow the comic books then yes yes he's going to die and he's going to die at the hands of Negan more than likely but like I said earlier I think they're going to change some stuff from the comic books so that we're going to be kept guessing and maybe the karma that comes back on him is now that they have Maggie in their control maybe that's something that happens maybe they do something and, and maybe they don't kill Maggie but maybe she loses the baby or something of that nature and Glenn will it'll eat Glenn alive because he'll feel guilty for one allowing Maggie to come with even though he didn't have a choice Maggie makes yes. <laughs> Maggie makes the decisions in that relationship let's be honest come on but I mean Maggie felt she led the group into this decision she had to be there and that's a noble leader you know knowing right. that I made this decision I gotta, I gotta go do it it's like Ned Stark saying if you proclaim a death you have to take the head exactly you can't lose sight of what your decisions cost what the cost of those decisions are otherwise you become a madman you know if you have a head if you have a headman doing your executions then it's easy it's easy to just say oh yeah kill him because you're not the one taking the life but in this in in this case it's you just sending out men to die maggie can't do that she has to be there at least pulling her own weight in her opinion if she made the decision to fight then she has to be there to fight so i mean that just shows what a great leader. And you know that uh, Deanna had such great instincts to see that in her that she's that kind of a leader. She's the kind of leader that if I'm gonna do, if I'm gonna tell somebody to do something, I got to be there right next to them, able to do it myself. So yeah, I, I think something happened, also... happening to her could be you know that right. karma coming back on Glenn in a sense, but ultimately it, it not being his fault, but he
0: believes it to be his fault. Quite more than karma, might be because just the fact he killed. Yeah, just the fact that he did kill, that he broke that rule.
1: It was a necessity. It Absolutely. Yeah had to, and it almost when he, uh, I, I keep forgetting the guy's name, the black guy with the dreads yes. was paired with Glenn when he stopped him from having to kill uh in, in the in the room because he had already, Glenn had already done it and then, you know, he was hesitating and Glenn stopped him and said, don't do it. I'll, I'll do
0: it. You know, it was... that's the nobility of that character. Oh,
1: yeah, yeah. It, that, the was, the bird that was such a great, great move and in the end, he didn't stop, didn't stop him from having to kill but it, it was at least self-defense at that point.
0: While I think the, it was showing the audience he hasn't lost his way he hasn't gone off the deep end. Right, right. okay that, that was important too. And I think the other thing though is Carol realized the importance Maggie has to the group as a leader because that's why she stayed back to protect her. Where it was kind of like Maggie was right to be there but they needed someone to fortify her because that makes sense.
1: Right, and I was torn with that because I was feeling like Carol was treating her differently because she was pregnant but at the same time I was thinking well no, she realized how how important she is to the group. She's, right. She is the civilian leader of that group now that Deanna's gone. She makes all the decisions about food and expansion and leading and who does what and those kinds of decisions where Rick might be all about security and he might make some of the large decisions like putting it to the group on whether or not they're going to fight. That was his decision, or not his decision because Maggie ultimately made the decision, but it was his leadership in that role. And so I think that there's a really good dual system there because Maggie does a lot of the domestic stuff in keeping the homestead up and running and, and getting it up and run, but at the same time is out there fighting the fight as well. And then Rick is all about security and any leadership that needs to be done in that regard. And I think that was the same deal and same kind of setup that he had with Deanna. And so I, I think it's great that Maggie's kind of stepped into that Deanna role and mm-hmm. really, really embraced it and, and paid off Deanna's trust in her.
0: What's interesting about Carol, because she's a character who can look at it from both perspectives, because she was in both places, with the security and the motherly thing. But I do think she has lost her path, lost her way on that, early she thinks she has. Because that's why she would say to Maggie, kind of like, what are you doing here? This isn't what you should be doing.
1: Well, I think I would have agreed with you last week that that's 100% right. But when we saw her sort of having that crisis of conscience in, in her bed and not being able to sleep and her counting up the number of, I think that was her human toll, the number yes. of, humans that she had killed not walkers I and mean, 18 is super low for Carol for walkers yes, but yes. but for humans yeah i mean that 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 was weighing on her and that was weighing on her mind and on her soul and i think that's why she was saying something to Maggie also you're going to be a mom why add this burden to your heart why why do this yeah. you know and, and so yeah I, I i think she was having a little bit of a crisis of conscience and she does kind of see everything and and before i thought it was so easy for her that she just like had a switch in her head that she flipped and could go into survival mode but now i i know that it's more than that she she actually feels the death she's had to take and, and the life she's had to take and the, the deaths she's had to give to humans and and yeah that's it's rough you know
0: yeah and again i think i think she got cold when she had to kill those two kids yes that just messed her up because i think she's coming out of that far. but again that was the right decision with the made that decision because ultimately they were protecting judith right which i mean that, that's that's what they should do and going on to some other characters, we'll get back to Carol. I have one more thing I want to say about her. Is I was really liking the interplay between Jesus and Gabriel. Get the truck with giving Tara advice. Can I hope these two guys develop some kind of kinship? Because the Gabriel character, I think, is becoming much more interesting, likable. Can I think a fan favorite character like Jesus could make him even better? Plus, I just want more Jesus because he's an awesome character. Can I get help but love someone who saved God's butt? Can you are you liking the stuff we got from Jesus and Gabriel in this episode? Do you think these characters are going to become significant and helping? Can their characters work to grab
1: that. Yeah, I loved that scene in the in the truck. It, it was it was great Tara and her issue wasn't all that important. It was right. the fact that Jesus and Gabriel both jumped in with good advice for her. And I I like the interplay between these two. And and I 100% agree Gabriel has made a change. And since he sort of got it and started becoming right. both the spiritual leader and also willing and able to defend himself and and do what is necessary, he's a much better character now and i think i think we needed him to be so awful in the beginning to see this progression to to in, into such a good character yeah. and become such a good character because otherwise he would have just been an, another character lost in the shuffle but because of his his growth and how awful he was to begin with uh, it really has made this part of the story so much better
0: well, he's kind of the the symbol of the turnaround to be honest he's kind of the center character who we thought was the farthest thing from understanding what was going on can he's went full circle can I I think that was the example of showing the Alexandrians can can change. These people can change, right? Because he did. Yeah,
1: absolutely. He is the evidence that the Alexandrians are ready and they're good to go for this fight. Because Gabriel's good to go for this fight. He actually even went out there with them, and that is that's a huge difference from what he was a season right. ago at the Midway Park.
0: But I feel like we're kind of going through an arc this season. Of course, it's a redemption arc. And in a way, his arc is called redemption for the Alexandrians' sins, or the group's sins in a way.
1: Well, I liked the fact that Gabriel, Rick asked him why he's still wearing his collar, Yeah. why he's still in the thing, and he's like, I'm still the man I was, but I am also ready and able to defend myself. And then when he had to, he defended the group.
0: Yeah, quite, I like his light after that. Kind of make me harder to see in the dark. <laughs>
1: That, that's true that is true although it gives him a bright white target to shoot for <laughs>
0: But still, I thought that was funny.
1: Yeah, it, it was. It was good. And I, I like the idea that he is still a priest. He is still a minister. Yeah. But in this world, that means something different. It's You have to be willing to save and protect those under your care, in addition to their spiritual guides.
0: I agree. Ken, isn't that kind of what a priest is supposed to do in a time of crisis?
1: Well, priests are never supposed to kill. Him. I mean, right. really, they're they're not. And killing a walker is one thing.
0: But treating the guy like he did. But he did feel kind of guilt about that Could he kill the savior, though.
1: Yeah, there's the first shot he took on him absolutely was defending those yes. people around him. Killing him and finishing the job was the right move in this world, but the wrong move necessarily for a, a priest to do. Right. So, I mean, there's, it, it's good for the story because he's going to start questioning which actions of his are right. s- still okay. And I, I think that's a good thing to look at.
0: Well, I think, uh, he may be someone who could go to Rick and say, maybe we should listen to what Morgan's saying. You know, be a middleman kind of thing between the two. I said no. I, I, I do think there's going to be some characters that are going to say maybe Morgan was right about this.
1: Oh, yeah, definitely. I think Gabriel's the wrong one Choice. to bring it up. I think Rick may go to Gabriel and ask him. What do he you
0: think? W- what do you I think? I like that better. Yeah, and yep. then
1: Gabriel yeah. will tell him, I thought we were doing the right thing. I'm not so sure now. I think killing them outright might have been the wrong decision. And I think Rick's going to agree with him, but I, I, I think it's too late now. <laughs>
0: Yeah, it is. It is too late. But again, I think the next time they get in this situation, I think he's going to handle it the right way. That's ultimately what's going to help him defeat Negan. I think adopting Morgan's path somehow is going to defeat Negan. But I do think there's going to be amendments made to Morgan's beliefs as well. And I think the wolf situation is what showed that to us.
1: Yeah, I think Morgan's going through a little bit of a crisis at the moment. He was building what it looked like to me to be a jail cell or uh, the same sort of cell that Eastman had him in back at Alexandria. And I'm wondering if he's having a crisis and thinking that next time I'll have a better place to hold the person so I don't have to kill them. And <laughs> I just don't know what,
0: That's it, a good what, idea. His,
1: what his deal is right now. You know, I don't know if, if he's
0: thinking straight. Well, we know he's been kind of crazy in the past. Yeah. So who knows? But finally, I think we all do something bad. What's going to happen with Egan? Somehow we going to be dropping the Alexandrians. Because I don't know about you, Nico, but I was holding my breath the whole time. That we were going through that stuff. And for those of us who've read the comic books, I mean, we know that Negan's capable of this kind of thing. So that really freaked us out a bit more. But I think this episode was paced in a very, very brilliant way, where they caused even a TV expert, like myself, to drive my guard into thinking the saviors are going to strike back. Got another episode. could I think them walking into the daylight? Got the music playing. Got a bunch of that stuff. Could I mean, draw my guard and said, okay, this is just a call of thorn storm. Negan's gonna strike back next week. And then we got the shocker of Carol and Maggie getting captured. Can he go? I mean, do you think this means Carol could be the original cast member that gets killed because of her realizing that the importance of Maggie? Can trying to keep her in the mother role and make sure she doesn't kind of lose herself like Maggie doesn't lose herself like the way Carol did. Could I mean, is Carol going to sacrifice herself to avoid this issue?
1: Yeah, it's definitely a possibility. Although Maggie could be the one that is killed also, or rather than Carol. It could also be Glenn trying to save Maggie yes. and Carol. There's a lot of options here and a lot of things, and, and whichever one I think is most likely, it's not going to be. Great,
0: <laughs> right, they're going to play the game that Arrow is playing on us. Yeah. we'll see up, which character's going to die? Yeah, uh,
1: just... I, I, because I believe really strongly that an original cast member is going to die at the end of this season, or sometime this season. It doesn't have to be necessarily the end. Right. I, I'm definitely in that in that waiting game and that and that guessing game because right now they have it set up so that a lot of characters could be lost. And that's that's rough.
0: Yeah, I mean it is. It, it's it, it's a scary time right now for the show I because think, this is a villain that's going to do this kind of thing.
1: I think if Carol does go down, it will be in that sort of sense that you were talking about, where she's sacrificing herself to make sure that Maggie survives and she gets through this okay and and doesn't lose herself like you said. So I, I like that idea. It would be the ultimate redemption for Carol's character.
0: She's got to. Go down swinging. Yeah, that's Because that's been the character all the way through the show. Like, it's got to be, like, some kind of awesome death. Like, blowing herself up, awesome death, kind of thing, you know? Like, if I'm going down, you're going down with me kind of thing, which would be cool. I don't like them killing off Maggie, because no, I think neither. that's too dark for the show. Okay, too dark for Glenn.
1: Well, I don't know if it's too dark for the show. This, this show well, does a lot of dark things. I mean,
0: Glenn. Glenn's character.
1: Yeah.
0: I just think that's going to take him, get a direction. That would I mean, to make sense, but I don't think we want to see that.
1: But if they kill Glenn, it could do the same thing to Maggie.
0: But I can accept that more. <laughs> because Glenn, Glenn's a moral compass. Do you know what I'm saying? I, I do. I do. It's not in Maggie's wheelhouse to be that kind of character. Now, the baby, I could see the blues of the baby. I don't think that's going to be as dark because at least they have each other.
1: I mean, it would still it would devastate them both, but yeah. Plus,
0: the other thing is, if the baby survives, if Maggie dies, that's a retread. God, I don't want that either. Right? We did that once. That's kind of dumb. So, kind of want them to do that. I think that's kind of stupid. So, go see where it goes again. It might not be any of these characters.
1: Right. That that's the the big point. They they could pull a complete fake out, and we we've been wrong all season that someone major is not going to die. But I I just I think it's. It's about that time. I think we've yeah. we've gone too long without a major death.
0: Would it be nuts if they killed Rick? It would be. It would be. I mean, he's... It's possible. Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: absolutely. Any other show, you you you'd question whether that was was even on in the cards. You know, that you could honestly talk about that. But in this show, they could kill anyone. Anyone yep. is
0: fair game. Yep. I think they, Game of
1: Thrones is the only other show that you
0: can, get away with you, that. You can say that about. Yep, good then again with that being so big. Could be surprised at the Rocky Dead trade. Could sound like that. Who knows? But it's exciting, it's good. It's good stuff, and we just can't wait to see what's coming next. So I think that wraps things up and we'll just move on to talking about good episode of Castle that had a pretty decent mystery, but brought back a storyline we don't like. So to get Nico's consensus on that I'm Let's talk about the Castle episode. Yeah, Justice for All. A student learning to speak English
1: is killed, and his classmates keep mum when questioned by police. So Castle goes undercover to gain info on the victim by enrolling in the class as a French Canadian immigrant.
0: This is a classic Castle episode that started with a mystery, which began small, blew up into a big immigration case with the FBI involved, got then shrunk right back down again, get to a nice neat solution to the mystery. However, I also have to commend this episode for throwing in some other things to keep our interest, like proving the killer's involvement in an illegal deportation scheme, got the wacky students in Castle's English speaking class played a part in the interrogation, one of the suspects Beckett could not approach. Decar, was this episode one of those classic Castle satisfied mysteries? Did you like the other things they included to make it more interesting like grooming the killer's involvement with two crimes? Yeah Dan, we've been
1: pretty much happy with Castle since his return this spring for being much more like the previous seasons than what we've gotten the first half of the season and we keep saying that most of that has to do with not focusing on the Lossat case and the fake breakup between Castle and Beckett and when they do focus on it, like in this case, it is in Castle saying that we, he just wants to wrap up the Lossat case so so they can go back to normal echoing what the fans have been saying all season yeah the mystery this week was fun the undercover castle did was ridiculous but fun in an only castle could make it way and the continued evolution of the Haley and Alexis story especially Alexis this week was excellent solid castle episode and that's not something we've been able to say much this season
0: it's two weeks in a because it's two weeks or three weeks in a row it's been pretty decent
1: yeah I'd say all the way back three weeks
0: yeah I mean, they're, they're pretty pretty rock solid with all of this stuff I feel a little bit better and enjoying watching the show a little bit more. And yeah, really only Castle could make that French student thing play off. And Nathan Phillips really is French-Canadian. So you could buy that because that is true. I'm saying that, that wasn't a stretch there. But with that, beat said, it was kind of a stretch that no one in the English class didn't recognize Castle. But he's a famous mystery writer. And there was a secret agent from Russia that recognized him right away like two weeks ago. So I was like, how does that work? And my dad also said, how could a little bald man because in the English class teacher be the killer, kill a tra- Police officer hit. He just thought that was a little much. The guy just didn't seem like he could take out a police officer. I,
1: I agree, Dan, with the ridiculousness of the castle going undercover and not being recognized, but to an extent, that was part of the charm of him going undercover and how ridiculous it was intentionally meant to be. Also, these were all non English speaking immigrants coming to the U.S. who could easily not have known who Castle was. The Russian spy was probably trained in U.S. culture, and part of that would have been to read and explore the culture, so it would make sense that he would maybe recognize Castle more easily if. If that was part of his training or something he happened upon when re- finding English novels to read. Think of it this way. If you were not a Game of Thrones fan, would you know who George R.R. R. Martin was if a fat man walked into your class and said his name was Jorge? Now, as for the short bald man murdering an ex-cop, you actually have to remember that the victim was a student in his class and would have trusted him until it was too late. All he needed was the element of surprise and he'd have no problem killing him. He just needed to get close enough to swing that snake stick and for that reason, I think it would have been actually pretty plausible that someone you trust and someone that you know could get that close. And so I actually think it was okay.
0: Great, I will use that explanation. My dad was a chair and he's like, bring it up on the show. I want to cure it. I'm like, okay, fine, I will. So, that answers that question. Now, finally, where the heck did the amnesia like come back from I thought we had both decided it was the result so why did they bring it back again in a random one shot mystery episode could they finally got somehow tying the terrorist attack he had erased from his memory to lock that so they can form some big whopper story for the series finale can you go should the writers go back to the story again or is anything better than back in the castle being separated
1: yeah Dan I actually think the lock set was being tied to the disappearance of castle in this episode and that was part of the stuff we learned from bracken before he was killed if I'm not mistaken that there was some connection with his missing time and with what was Going on with Beckett in that episode. The idea of linking these stories actually kind of makes sense to wrap up the two largest remaining story arcs together. If this is going to be the series finale, which man, I hope it
0: is. Me <laughs> too.
1: Now, Dan, I don't think we ever thought that they had actually wrapped up the amnesia story arc. Rather, we thought that maybe they had abandoned it and it was because it was not working. So they kind of just wrote it out of the story. So I think it's okay to come back to it now if they can do it well. Apparently, you know, they didn't. They didn't wrap it up because we're coming back to it. And if they actually do it well I think it'll fix both of the worst story arcs of this series and possibly fix the legacy of Castle as a series I just hope it actually works otherwise it's going to really tear us down again for that series finale and I think they can do it well I think they've fixed some of the issues and what we saw in this episode was actually pretty interesting for me so I actually want to see where it goes I'm excited for it I'm I'm thinking they've done some work on it and make will make it better but they burned me once so (laughs) I'm a little hesitant at the same Same
0: time. Well, the last time they took Castle to and Hollywood, it was a really fun episode. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So I'm hoping we get some of that magic again. That would be great. Uh, I think that would be fun. But it's been long enough that that's not going to feel like retreading. The other thing is, I think we realized that there's something worse than than the Amnesia story arc. Yeah. So I think we're welcome to it now.
1: Well, also, you know, this is going to be the episode that Summer Glau comes. So that's going to add to the the fun that we're going to have because obviously she and Nathan are great on screen together. And I'm hoping that they can capture some of that Firefly magic for.
0: This episode. Me too. I really hope they go there also. So I think those are things that are the show's favor. Can if they it tie the lock out to this thing, could make it good. I'll be impressed. I think it would help that it tied to it. Mm-hmm. To be honest, and I think it's a much more, a better drive to go after locks than that at just being angry or not being able to give the case up. Yeah. Because I yeah, think absolutely. now that, that it gets them answers to a part that was missing from their lives, got something that really affected everybody, including Alexis, I think that's the way to go. And I think Alexis is really going to get, going to go about this because she was kind of pissed off about what happened during that time period. Right. Now, because because this
1: is going to be a sort of Castle private eye trip to Los Angeles and essentially Summer Glau is a, a fellow private eye working in Los Angeles. I'm wondering if we're going to get Alexis going with Castle this time to LA or if she's going to be working it from back in New York as his sort of support staff at his yeah. you know, PI agency. Either way they do it. I think she needs to be a huge part of the episode. Of course she and Haley solve another mystery while they're in LA. That's always a possibility because we've been talking about wanting to see that start up and this would be a good episode to do it where they're kind of holding down the fort while he's gone.
0: Yeah, because if Friday and Espinito don't go to L.A., that gives them something to do with the episode as well.
1: Right, yeah. They could be helping out and, and sort of running background for Haley and uh, Alexis.
0: Gadd Castle with Beckett, too. Yeah, that's the
1: thing. I'm not sure if Beckett's going to go to L.A. I mean, it's... So did
0: she say let's go? I think so. Of the episode? Okay.
1: The only thing is if, if we want to see that great chemistry between Summer and, and Nathan, I, I almost think it'd be better if she Stana, go. yeah, Stana's back in the in the New York side of the, the, the story. Yeah, I just don't well,
0: know. well maybe she wants to go and Vikram comes and says, well, we need to investigate this thing with Moxat. Right. Because the castle goes that she stays behind. Because then we figure out it's all connected over the phone. Yeah, that that actually makes a lot of sense. Yeah, that would be interesting. Good way to go. I think they're guts they're going in a good direction right now. Got Summer guy will be fun, I'm hoping for Firefly. So with that, we're going to move into a Star Wars Rebels episode. Because I feel like we've kind of shortchanged you guys. Got Star Wars Rebels because there's not been a lot to talk about with this story's connection to the grand scheme of the Star Wars universe and various trilogies and things like that. But this episode covered all that. Because i why to we get back to really coming up with some crazy crackpot theories when it comes to the future of the Star Wars Rebels. So let's talk about the episode Shroud of Darkness.
1: Kanan, Ezra, and Ahsoka return to the Jedi Temple on Lothal, seeking answers from Yoda about the Inquisitor's ability to continually track
0: the Rebels. This was the big episode we were waiting for with Star Wars Rebels. Because I loved how it started with more of the T-Rope fighting. Kanan and Ezra have developed together, along with the adversarial flirting they want to see between Kanan and some sister, since she is voiced by Freddie Prinze Jr.'s wife, Sarah Michelle Gellar. Because were you glad we got to see some of the stuff to start off? A really powerful episode? Was this the progressing the ongoing story? episode you were looking for?
1: Yeah, Dan, this was exactly what we were hoping for in discussing that this series needed for an episode. I loved this episode and thought it was easily the best episode since the return this spring. Yeah. This story progressed the Ahsoka story to where we needed it to be, showed Ezra and Kanan's progression in their knowledge of the Force, and brought both Vader and the Inquisitors back to the forefront of the season. This episode had
0: everything we wanted for weeks now, and it was good. I, I really enjoyed it. Get out! they just tie in uh crisis of conscience with all of this, we're going to get some really good stuff. Oh yeah. So we're going in the right direction, we're moving up. And I do think it's going to focus back towards the main story. Now that there's only what seven episodes left now, I think the next seven episodes are gonna be big story stuff. At least I hope so. Yeah, yeah. Get on that note with the big story stuff. It really made me sad when Ahsoka was watching the instructional hologram of Anakin, questioning how such a good man who was always loyal to his friends went so wrong. And I felt she got even more of a punch in the gut when Ezra viewed him as a hero. Didiko, he was this scene saying Ahsoka was in denial over Anakin's fate, or was it telling us she didn't want to tell Kanan and Ezra that the Jedi's greatest hero fell from grace because she didn't want to break their spirits, keep relieving the Rebellion could succeed.
1: No I I think it was showing that Ahsoka suspected Anakin was Vader but still did not have proof or even confirmation in the force so she was questioning herself how someone who was so loyal so loving and such a great Jedi could become the destroyer of the Jedi Order. I think she had her suspicions but until she had that confirmation later in the episode in her vision in the temple she did not know for sure or at least maybe could not believe it to be true. I don't think she was going to tell Ezra and Kanan until she was absolutely positive and now that she has that from her vision and was essentially confirmed by her time right. at the temple, I think I think now she's ready to finally admit it and tell Kanan and Ezra.
0: See, and I'm debating about that because Kavobi won with Luke, but he didn't tell Luke that his father was Darth Vader because I always assumed he did that because he wanted Luke to still have hope or believe he could redeem it.
1: I think that by keeping that secret it would cause too much friction between them or cause some, some issues between her and Kanan or her and Ezra and there wouldn't be the trust or they would they would sense that she was lying to them or keeping something from them and it would hurt their ability to trust each other so I think she's going to I think she's eventually going to come clean with them I think she okay. has
0: to. Okay because yeah I just was worried because the loss of hope thing and maybe at this point which she wasn't for sure she herself was trying to mentally hold on hope. Okay, which I think anyone would do that. I think that's a that's a human reaction, something like that. Don't you agree? Cause I mean, it's like finding out your your best friend growing up, because it turned out to be a serial killer or something.
1: Right. Yeah. The, there's definitely that sense of denial for the sake of holding on to your hope or holding on to your memories of who the person was when you knew them. So there is that, and that that's it. That is a very natural reaction. But I think ultimately she's going to have to overcome that and and become the the Jedi she was never allowed to be. And, right. And we'll get to that in a moment what, what I think of that. But I, I I do think that she needs to be the leader here and not only focus on her own feelings about it.
0: Yeah, but now when Caden suggested they should go ask Yoda for advice on their problems with the Inquisitors, I was like, how the heck they know he was that Dagobah? But then when it was shown, they went back to the Jedi Temple where Ezra heard Yoda's voice, it all made sense to me. Because I thought it was really cool how the Temple revealed a new door to help the Jedi deal with a new problem. Mika, were you a little confused on this as well? Until we saw where we were going?
1: No, I actually thought they were always going to the Jedi Temple to make contact or meditate and hope to make contact with Yoda. I was surprised it was back on Lothal though, but maybe that's the only Jedi temple they know of. But for a few seconds when they showed the planet, I thought maybe they were headed to Dagobah because we had said that maybe Ahsoka had been in contact with Yoda before. So from that, Great. from that scene at the end when he waved to her, it seems that she was not aware of his ability to contact them through the Force, and maybe now she will seek him out for guidance now that she knows about Anakin. So
0: I well, she thinks he's alive, even they might not think he's alive.
1: Oh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So I think only for about a half second when they actually showed the planet did I think, is that Dagobah? No, it's not. No, oh, okay. So for a half a second, I, I thought maybe it was Dagobah. But for the most part, I thought they were going to a Jedi temple to try and make contact.
0: It's interesting how the show keeps going back to the hall. There's something important to the Yeah. More than it just being his own planet. There must be something significant with the forest level. Well, you'd have to believe so because there's a Jedi Temple. There. Right, and, and the thing Ezra has seen on that planet is very interesting. Because the fall hasn't been mentioned until this show, right? Not to my knowledge. Because I was thinking maybe the same planet where the Jedi Temple was or whatever it was at Night of the Old Republic if you played that video game. I did. I don't remember. Because that would make a lot of sense because it was a it was their home base at one time.
1: Yeah, according to the Wikipedia, it was only mentioned ever in the original and extended universe as a backwater planet where pilots learn, learn their craft. So it was sort of okay. a, a world for pilots to test out there. They could be crop dusters and things of that nature and, and learn to be professional
0: pilots. Okay, alright. Well, each one of the Force-powered characters because this episode got their own piece of advice. We were going to start things off with the most positive journey that took place in this episode, which was Caden's own interpretation of the dojo scene for the Matrix, because a nice touch they put in there, which earned him actually the rank of Jedi Master from the Grand Inquisitor of all people who revealed that he was once a Jedi. Because does this mean that the Inquisitors guard just forced up to the be beats, like we originally thought, but Jedi who may have pledged their allegiance to the Empire, kind of getting their lives spared, or losing hope when they saw their fellow Jedi dial around them. Okay,
1: then so first off, Kanan was only awarded the rank of knight, not master. Okay. A small but very important distinction. Remember, Kanan was still a Padawan when he and his master were betrayed, so he never attempted the trials to become a Jedi Knight. So this was rectifying that. This was essentially his Jedi
0: trials. Because I, I just thought because he had a good apprentice now that they kind of spent up the ranks for him.
1: Well, remember in the Clone Wars series, the Clone Wars series and the movies, that Anakin was denied the rank of Master, but put on the Council, even though he had a Padawan at the time. So he was just a Knight. And right. to her, he was her Master, but he wasn't of the rank Master. Yes, sir. Okay. So a little bit confusing in the way they, they do that. So He is, he is Ezra's master for sure, but he has not reached the rank and the knowledge required to be a Jedi master.
0: Okay, that's why we have you clear these things.
1: <laughs> yeah. So now, as for the Grand Inquisitor, he was originally a Jedi who seemed to have strayed from the path and gone to the dark side, but not full-on Sith, or maybe like you suggested earlier the season, maybe they are not calling themselves Sith because Sith is such a bad term that people would not accept it. But as for the, all the Inquisitors, I still believe they are merely Force-sensitive beings who were either being trained in the dark side of the Force and that most of them were not previously Jedi. Maybe a few like the Grand Inquisitor, but most... Were were not trained before the Empire, or some of them might have been like the Sisters, who were trained in the Dark Side or in other ways of the Force, but not Sith or Jedi and were incorporated into the Inquisitor ranks by the Emperor and Vader with the choice of death or service. I don't believe many of them were Jedi, I just don't think that many Jedi survived
0: uh, Order 66. So it's pretty much the Grand Inquisitor that's it.
1: Yeah, I think the Grand Inquisitor, maybe one or two others that we'll see, but I think most of them are like the two Inquisitors we've seen this season, where they are force sensitive beings who were trained by the Emperor's Inquisitor program but they were they were plucked from orders like the Sisters or where Darth Maul it's, came from and, and it, stuff yeah, like that
0: well that's the same planet that's the same race right right it's same race but it, they all seem to be sort of the same race which why, why I was surprised that they said the Grand Inquisitor was a Jedi at one time because I just thought that entire race was surprising. well that, that's a different race he's a different race than oh, he has a different race yeah okay. he doesn't
1: have the horns or anything that signify him as part of that okay. same
0: race dark maul or his brother or any
1: of the
0: those characters right Sarah that if the sister that character is of the same race
1: well it's from the same planet I'm not entirely so you... certain that they're the same race or species okay but they come from the same planet and it seems like the the male all the males are it, it might just be that they're the females of the same race and species but I, I just don't know I don't remember yeah. that, I don't know how that they, they coincide
0: I think they'll explain all that I think that's coming to explain how that all connects because that is a lot of cold wars Stuff. Right, right. Because the show does a good job of addressing this. Now, moving forward, I love the appearances of Yoda on the show because they do the character so much justice. Can include his hopeful theme from the Empire Strikes Back. But I was curious about what he meant by telling Ezra not to fight. Was he prepared, Ezra, for the possibility he may have to sacrifice himself to ensure Luke Skywalker's victory against the Empire, or was he trying to tell Ezra he is not meant to win the war, but play a significant part in the rebels' victory? Dico, what's your interpretation of Yoda's advice? could you think it also served as an explanation as to why Yoda backed off when battling the? Good episode 3, because he realized he was not meant to defeat the Emperor.
1: I think Yoda realized in his fight with Palpatine that he would not be able to defeat him alone, and that the only way that he'd be able to save the galaxy and defeat the Emperor was to regroup and fight him again with a stronger and younger fighter. He later realized that the children of Anakin Skywalker would be the key to the Emperor's defeat, and that his goal must be to ensure their survival. What I think he was telling Ezra in this episode was that his actions in this war would not directly result in the total victory that he and Kanan maybe believe is. Possible, but that their struggle and fight was not for naught. Rather, they might not see the win that they think they are fighting for, but that they will be involved in the ultimate battle that wins. In that sense, I think Yoda was implying that they will do much damage to the Empire, but would not be the destruction of the Empire that is the ultimate goal of the rebellion. I think it was a way of telling Ezra that their mission might not accomplish what he perceives as their goal of destroying the Empire, but it will succeed in causing the Empire pain, annoyance, and ultimately will succeed by allowing the true hero of this story the time and safety to grow into the warrior that will ultimately defeat the Emperor. So I think he was kind of saying, you gotta realize that what you think is winning might not happen, but you can still win, or you can still be successful, you can still do what you ultimately want to do, it just may not look like what you expected.
0: Do you think that they're gonna kill these characters off? Is that how they're gonna explain it? I think some of them, for sure, but... I think Aiden's gonna die, for sure, without a doubt, but some of the others, I don't know.
1: The rest of it, you have to wonder how they're gonna deal with that, because they're not seen in the original trilogy, and... Right. You would imagine that people of this importance to the early Rebellion, if they were still alive, would be. But it could be that they had to go into hiding, they had to go off and and leave the Rebellion so as to not harm it, or not expose it. And in that sense, I think that's what Kanan was sort of alluding to in this episode, is that there's the potential that because of the Inquisitors and always hunting the Jedi, that he and Ezra might have to leave the fight eventually, so that they could ultimately keep the Rebellion safe.
0: Well, do you think it's because of that, the reason why they there was no inquisitors going after luke skywalker we could see
1: that kanan and ezra We're also, like
0: working behind the seats
1: they ultimately destroy the inquisitors all of the inquisitors and so it leaves only the two sith remaining and they're able to sacrifice themselves to ultimately destroy the inquisitors once they find out that they need to keep luke and leia safe or something of that nature right so i i, I do absolutely think that there's a potential that they might end up sacrificing themselves to at the end of the series to
0: keep luke safe yeah they I, I hope that they die guy that Ezra has a vision of the future God sees what happens right because he dies knowing, okay look I caused this to happen because of me and I think the fans need it too I think they'd be very upset if they just died and they didn't know that they achieved any victory well see I
1: see I see Kanan like you do as almost a a guaranteed fatality right I think there's a way that they could have Ezra taken out of the fight but not killed so I agree so that there is some sense of victory at the end of the series where it's not resulting in the death of all the people that we love from the series.
0: But but Ahsoka and Rex, I think those characters are in trouble.
1: Yeah, I think Ahsoka will ultimately have to sacrifice herself to save Ezra and Kanan when Vader shows up because they can't fight Vader. They cannot beat him. They're not powerful enough. Even together, they're not powerful enough to go up against Vader. And even with Ahsoka fighting with them, it's going to be pretty tough for them to be successful. So I think Ahsoka is going to have to go up against Vader solo in the sense to allow Kanan and Ezra the chance to escape. And in the process, she might Attempt to save Anakin, and in the process be, be struck struck
0: down. Exactly, I agree with that. Gore she dies trying to protect Luke and Leia as well. Right, right. Gorg keeping Obi Wan in place to protect him as well. Right, right. Keeping Guy, that secret. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if Obi Wan somehow shows up for his reference or whatnot. The other thing that may answer a lot of questions for us about what's going on in the future is Rogue One.
1: Right, exactly. Because Sabine's going to be in the movie, right? Uh, that I don't actually know. I don't
0: know of any connection. Okay, which... I heard
1: rumors going to be in the movie. I've heard rumors that there's going to be a connection, but I haven't seen anything. Confirmed.
0: Okay, so that may answer some questions first, even. I don't know. But what I gotta say is the darkest part of this episode of Ahsoka having that vision, that I feel confirmed to her that Anakin is indeed dark Vader. Because we saw her guilt over not being there to save her master from being turned to the dark side. But I don't see that as her fault, because so the Anakin really did give her the chance to stay and help him. Because he chose to believe Palpatine over someone who was like family to him when Ahsoka was framed for murder. Because was only trying to explain this to Ahsoka when he appeared to wave at her? Because was he also telling her there's a chance she could make the Anakin good again? do you think we will see ahsoka fail at this or will she have a vision showing her she is not the one to bring her master back to the light so
1: anakin betrayed ahsoka long before he fell to the dark side by not initially believing her when she said she had nothing to do with that murder ultimately he did end up believing her and helping to prove her innocence but the damage was done and ahsoka could not stay with the jedi after she felt so betrayed by the order and her master so the vision of anakin blaming her for not being there to save him and prevent him from falling to the dark side was extra cruel because if anyone failed anyone it was Anakin. Anakin as her master not standing by her side when she was falsely accused of murder. She may feel that she could have saved Anakin from his fall, but if Obi-Wan couldn't do it, I doubt Ahsoka could have either. So this might just be her own guilt manifesting in the Force and a warning to not think that sort of stuff or she could potentially fall herself. I think Yoda appeared to Ahsoka. That was not anything more than encouragement and possibly an apology for everything that went down with her leaving the Jedi and him showing he approved of her living like a Jedi even if she never completed the trials or was officially a Jedi anymore. I hope she seeks him out so we can see that reunion and we can see her become a full-fledged Jedi Knight before I imagine she's killed trying to save Anakin and maybe in the process help save Kanan and Ezra as I mentioned before. I just really hope we get to see those two on Dagobah together. That would be a lot of fun.
0: Yeah, I think it would be good if Ahsoka quit to seek out Yoda. I think that's where we're going for the next step, at least I hope so. Of course, she runs into Obi-Wan, one of the two. That would be interesting.
1: Yeah, I would love to see her interact with Obi-Wan again because they had the most screen time together between her and Obi-Wan versus her and Yoda. It was definitely the right. the former on the clone war so that'd be fun to see again
0: can i just hope but soka goes down as he a hero
1: oh she definitely will and that's why i think she needs to seek out yoda because if she she does then she can become a full jedi and he can he can bestow the rank of jedi knight on her as like we saw kanan in this episode right and you know and that way she can die as a jedi like she should
0: I agree. I think that would be interesting. I think the fans would be happy if she went down that way. She is a fan favorite character. I don't want her to go down thinking she failed the etiquette. I want her to think that she died keeping the hope for him to be saved alive. Yes. Which is why I think she needs to go down protecting the land or thinking she's doing that right plus with her friendship with with Padme she was very cold with her too right Because they got a respect for her that would be a good thing to do too yeah absolutely so <laughs> I hope that I hope that's where it goes because I just hope we keep getting more of her on the show because every time she shows up we get a very good episode yeah and with that we're just going to pass things on to Michael and he's going to take care of this week's Sleepy Hollow episode <laughs>
2: Hey guys, Michael J. Petty here to talk to you about this week's episode of Sleepy Hollow, Season 3, Episode 13, entitled Dark Mirror. There's a lot in this episode that was actually really good. I was kind of shocked, to be honest with you. Uh, Last week's was a decent episode, of course, but this week's I thought was better for more than one reason. First of all, we had a really good monster of the week in that of the Jersey Devil, something I never really thought we would see here on Sleepy Hollow, but it's very cool how they incorporated an old inventor's rivalry from the seventeenth century to today's myth of the Jersey Devil. I mean that's it was it was very cool. I was very pleased with the monster, I was very pleased with how he looked and quite frankly he was probably one of the scarier ones to see on the show. Not necessarily because the lighting was scary or because anything he did was scary, but because of who he was, what he believed and what he was committed to doing. That being said, because of the Jersey Devil, we actually figure out a little bit about behind the origin of the hidden one. And we found out that he was one of two gods who ruled earth at one period of time and when i say god i mean lesser g lowercase g god um, and we fi- actually get to see the origin of how he met pandora and where the box comes from and what was in the box originally that being evil itself and so much more This episode of the show really helped propel this plot forward um, for this season's main tribulation arc. I was very excited to see that there is something that is going to actually happen because of this episode, as opposed to us just seeing Hidden One and Pandora do something or another at the end of the episode. They're actually largely a part of this episode without directly being involved with the events, which was really great. Um, It definitely looks like next week we're going to be getting more deep into this tribulation plot, and we're actually going to be seeing what is going to happen next, which is great great because, again, we haven't really seen them do a whole lot this season, with the exception maybe of the mid-season finale. And now it looks like they're actually going to be doing something, which is great. I've been saying that a lot. But this episode was actually a lot of fun, and it really helped, like I said, propel the plot forward. Now, there was a little side plot for Jenny and Joe about boundaries that was pretty good, and I I liked that. And I really like Joe a lot. Uh, He's actually growing on me a lot more than I thought he would. But I think the main subplot of this episode is that of Abby's addiction to this symbol that she keeps seeing everywhere. And for Now I'm going to call it the Shadowhunter symbol because it reminds me exactly of that symbol that the Mortal Instruments book and television and film series uses to represent the Nephilim. So I'm just going to call it that, but that's not really what it is according to the show. We actually don't know totally what it is at this point, but Ichabod likens her addiction to this symbol, her need for this symbol, to a soldier's need for maybe alcohol or something or another to hold them over after coming home from war. And that's very much what we see here. In fact, she almost doesn't save Ichabod's life because of her addiction to the symbol, um, almost kind of like a drug. The best I think that they could have done with this episode in terms of this plot is admit that there's a problem. And at the end, we see that Abby actually does admit that there is a problem and asks Ichabod to help her through it. And I think we're going to see that throughout the rest of the season. But to be honest with you, I'm a little, little bored with this whole Abby dealing with her past nine months story arc. We've been seeing a lot of flashbacks to her time um, in the underworld, and we've been seeing a lot of, just a lot of her not acting normal for no reason other than that. And I, I know it's a plot device at the right feel they need to fulfill, not fulfill, but to fill time during an episode. But I think it's time that could have been better spent on The Hidden One or Pandora and what they want to do next. Or maybe on the whole concept of how all these tribulations really tie together. Because, at least at this point, Moloch and The Hidden One seem like two very different tribulations. I want to know how they all tie together. I want to know what the common thread is between all of these villains that our witnesses are going to be facing over the next however many years the show is on. But that being said, I really enjoyed this episode. It had a lot of good in it. Again, the Jersey Devil was a great addition to the Sleepy Hollow Monsters catalog, and I really, and although we're not going to be able to see him again, unfortunately, I really hope that we have more monsters like that in the future. One of the things that made the X-Files great was they balanced monster episodes, which were really good, with mythology episodes, which were also really good, and sometimes you even had two of one. I really want to see a lot more of that on Sleepy Hollow, and I think the writers have proven that they can do that, especially with this episode, and proven that it's a possible thing for them to go for. Um, I just want to see more mythology i want to see them do some more stuff i want to see some more monsters some great monsters like we've been seeing this season. so keep up the great work sleepy writers see you guys next week all right and
0: with that we would bring Nikki to do the muppets come it did work out with schedules this week that we just couldn't work it out to record on that episode but since it's the finale there's only one left we're going to just push that to next week since we do have kind of another shorter episode there not many shows to cover next week. so we're going to move that to that And with that we're going to bring nico back in to talk about the new girl episode Heatwave.
1: Things heat up between Nick and Reagan over who can provide the loft with the best air conditioning unit. Meanwhile, Winston uses his cop voice to help Schmidt prep CeCe for a newscaster audition.
0: So my favorite comedic moments, speaks week's episode of New Girl, was Winston using his cop voice, got Schmidt's attempt at it featuring several character voices, including a southern accent, K. Brooklyn accent, get a fail shot at Grace Haggerty from Law and Order. Also, even though the rat jumping on top of it was funny, it should have come with a good Ninja Turtles reference. The romance between him and Regan is just not doing it for me. Thank God Jess is going to be next. Next week, just stick a fork in this. because this show will not survive without her. So I'm glad to know that Zoe's coming back. good here's to New Girl be back to its old form next week. Sandika, so what are your thoughts on this week's episode? Dan,
1: I too enjoyed Schmidt's attempt at a cop voice and all the characters he had inside him. As Winston put it, I love Nick's white jeans. He was killing those jeans. Nick's best line was when he sat down in the ranch and he said, Oh, that's wet. That's wet from my bum. <laughs> <laughs> Winston's practice cop voices in the bathroom were pretty hilarious as well. And finally, Megan Fox had a funny line when she told Nick that she hoped that the Cubs win the World Series while he's in a coma from heat stroke. And her Jeremiah voice for the rats in the basement was pretty funny as well. I'm looking forward to Zoe's returning next week and can't wait to hear all about Jess's long and crazy sequester. I think
0: that's going to make it fun. Cool, I guess she's going to try to cover the identity of some mysterious juror or something next week. So There's going to be a mystery afoot next week. Oh, interesting. All right. with that, we're going to move on to an episode about Modern Family that was pretty funny I think it maybe could have been better executed because I had some funnier ideas of where they could go with the episode but I enjoyed it nonetheless so i talk about the Modern Family episode I don't know how she does it
1: Joe's fussy phase prevents Jay and Gloria from getting any sleep, so they both bend their parental rules to vie secret ways of napping. Meanwhile, Claire's balance of life and work is so flawless and easy that her family is getting suspicious, and Mitchell and Cameron are poorly treated at their friend's wedding and wonder what they did to deserve it.
0: My favorite comedic moment from this week's modern family, in addition to another welcomed appearance of Nathan Lane, was Lily revealing that she was behind Cameron and Mitchell being treated poorly at their friend's wedding because she was embarrassed about their dancing. They crack me up when they started dancing in this episode, and Lily went up to Canadian family inside. God, with you. There were also parts of Jay, Gloria, Luke, and Manny sneaking behind each other's back that made me laugh, but I think it needed more wall liners for Luke. And it probably would have been more funny if Jay found out about Gloria leaving Joe to sleep in the car by her thinking he was kidnapped because she didn't know Manny took the car. Sadika, what were your thoughts on this week's episode about Our thing?
1: My favorite comedic moments was the whole frozen porn screen Luke and Manny situation. The best part was that even when they took the car to go get it fixed by the creepy looking guy at the tech store, they ran into the hot girl who used to be Luke's babysitter, who just happened to be the tech girl and they ran away. They finished the gag off pretty great with Alex knowing instantly that it was porn that he needed help with and then being all grossed out by it but still fixing it. <laughs> I, yes, thought it was, that was, I thought it was pretty funny.
0: Yeah, it was. It was funny stuff. I could just had that idea about them thinking Joe was kidnapped and thinking that would be hilarious but maybe that's an idea for another episode.
1: Yeah, I think it's a missed opportunity as well. I don't think it hurt the story that it didn't go. I just think it was right.
0: miss, a missed opportunity for more fun. Ken fell did have his fun moment when he caught Clara the of using her assistant to do everything. Yeah. I mean, that's the most funniest thing Clara. That's a So with that, since there is no Big Bang Theory this week, we're just going to go into the closing where Nico's going to tell everybody what's going on next week. I think there's some changes in the schedule, so be sure to listen for that.
1: Yeah, on our next episode, Dan and I will continue our reviews with an episode of Walking Dad, Castle, Michael's reviews of Supernatural and Sleepy Hollow, and our sitcom section including the two-part season finale of The Muppets we didn't get to this week, and New Girl and Big Bang Theory. But much like this week, we are in the area of TV schedule where things can vary greatly from week to week, so keep those DVRs up to date and bear with us if we tell you something thing's going to be on and then it doesn't end up being on or we're not entirely sure if everything's going to be on because things just vanish from the schedule each week and we can't always know that when we look on sunday that it's not actually on on tuesday so
0: <laughs> yeah next week supernatural because the question mark show yeah gotta know if it's new or not um, I, think or... I think it Go does come back i think it does come back but like you said it could
1: be it could be not remember dc nation will continue with gotham and a dc legends episode but no supergirl era or flash for the next week or so so make Make sure to rejoin us for all of that next week. And again, it's going to be kind of up in the air what's going to be on what shows going forward. Sometimes it'll be a full schedule, and sometimes it'll be piecemeal with certain episodes going off for a week or so. Also, keep an eye out for Dan, Nikki, and Joshua doing the Marvelverse podcast as their coverage of Agent Carter wrapped up this week, and the return of Agents of Shield is coming soon. But for now, we're going to roll our pre-recorded closing.
0: Get across the airways podcast. Get our website acrosstheairways.com. Again, that's acrosstheairways.com. You can check out all of our podcast shows available as their own individual programs. Get in the iTunes store. Get Google play store guys for the podcast shows. Color network. We have the DC nation podcast located at DC nation. across that's DC nation. Which reviews popular DC comics related TV shows. and movies. There's also the Marvel verse podcast located at Marvel verse across that's marvelverse Which reviews Marvel comics related TV shows shows, and movies. Again, we also have Thronescast, a podcast dedicated to reviewing episodes of HBO's Game of Thrones, which is available at the website thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com Again, that's thronescast.acrosstheairwaves.com In addition to these programs, you can listen to the original Across the Airways podcast, which is accessible at acrosstheairwaves.com which reviews TV shows not related to superheroes, core Game of Thrones, like The Walking Dead, Doctor Who, Star Wars Rebels, Supernatural, and more, including sitcoms such as the Big Mid- Bang Theory got the Muppets. so you can listen to Across the Airways, the DC Nation podcast, Thronescast, the Game of Thrones podcast, got the Marvel Verse podcast, got the mixed radio station, code by Jack Stifles, Stitcher Radio. Or if you use Apple devices, download the Podcast Box app. Got if you're on a Windows or Android device, you can download our apps from the Amazon Marketplace. Got the Windows Marketplace. Got a regular Windows or Windows Phone app. Cause for how you can contact us to give your own listener feedback. Got the TV shows we review. Provide suggestions on how we can improve your podcast listening experience or just want to say do you like what we're doing email us at across the airwaves at gmail.com get that's across the airwaves at comment on our facebook page follow us on twitter got across the airwaves. there's no thought in there it's just across the airwaves join our circle go google plus go leave us a voicemail by calling 773-809-3363 get at 773-809-3363 also when sending us an email please mention which podcast show you're directing the message to get the subject line Give you are sending us glister feedback you want us to read god Era. I would also recommend that you check out our YouTube page, which features trailers for upcoming movies get television events. Along with this content, the ATA YouTube channel is a great source for panels from past Comic-Con, Get it will be a great resource to find videos related to the Comic-Con taking place in San Diego this summer to go along with our Comic-Con special. All right, so once again, for our other ATA podcast hosts, Nikki Avi, Joshua Mercray, Steve Nostro, Glue Kim, Michael J. Petty, Guy Dan Schmidt, and
1: I'm Nico Reifstein. And
0: until our next episode, we'll catch you on the airway. See you guys have a great weekend. Uh remember, beware of the dark side. It's not the east or the west side. No, it's not. It's not the north or the south side. No, it's not. It's the dark side. You are correct. In front of the Empire. to all you beta haters out there will blow your planet up. What is I needing my master? It's a disaster, Skywalker, whatever. But if he can be turned to the dark side yes, he'd be a powerful ally Another dark Jedi He will join us or die We got Death Star We got Jeff Star We got Jeff Star We got Jeff Star We got Death Star Jeff Death Death
2: Death Star, got Death Star. We, we got we got Jeff Star, man you know
0: that we got it Jeff Star, And you know that
2: we got it Get your ass over here right now We're looking around that damn land spear Clean boy, Clean your room. I'm blowing. I know I'm on probation. i clean the room. can I go to the Hachi station? I gotta lay away on the power. Murder, but now you treat me like a scrubbing a burger. Who's the force to run? Run to dig a ball. Run to dig a ball. Who's the force to run? Run to dig a ball. Run to dig a ball. I The X-Way rise! Yoda, why you being a player hater? You know that I still must come from a little beta. But Luke, not the
1: But there's a city in the clouds where they keep in my clothes. A Jedi's got to do what
2: a Jedi's got to do. So now Vader, I'm coming for you. Yeah, that's right, r I just set a new course. We're going to Cloud City. It's a mighty good gin she
0: makes me a brother. Impressive, now release your anger. You must listen that your friends are in danger. Oh, why just you slice off my hand? It's imperative that you understand. or people would never bother about
2: your father he told me enough you told me you killed him
0: then i that i'm your father 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 I'm your father. Laughs, man